Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. of this worship series we've been doing on scriptural speed bumps and we end on a doozy. So today's scripture as you see is perfectly aligned with the theme of the the series that there are texts that make us uncomfortable, sometimes their meaning is a little obscured, sometimes these are things that people throw back on us outside of Christendom and we don't feel comfortable with that or they question why is this in the Bible. Well today's scripture is is really one that almost nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear these things, that we're lacking one thing, and that one thing is that we need less, that we should sow what we have, and we should give it all to the poor, and then just go and blindly follow Jesus. That's what everybody wakes up in the morning on Sunday to hear. Right? Well, how many of us woke up this morning and said to God, Stop it! Stop blessing me! Stop loving me! Stop forgiving me when I do these things wrong. And when I do things wrong that I didn't even know I was doing wrong. Just stop it. I don't want any more of your grace. I don't want you to bless me anymore. I don't want this ridiculous joy you're always giving. Just stop it. I've had enough. Well, if you did wake up and say that, I wouldn't really expect you to be here. (laughs) But here we are. So I'm going to assume that we didn't wake up this morning and say those things. That instead we woke up and for whatever reasons we said to ourselves, I want to go to church. Maybe I want to go because my mother's making me. Maybe I want to go because I was raised in this and it feels right and good and it's comfortable and it reminds me that I am loved and that there are others who know me and love me. Maybe you decided you wanted to come because you think that pastor really has cool things to say and I like her shoes. It doesn't really matter why you're here because you're here and we are here today And God has a message for us. And the message is actually wrapped up in a bigger story. The story happens such as this. It says in 1818, chapter 18, verse 18 of Luke, a certain ruler asked him, here is a man who has power and wealth. He probably has land holdings. He probably has many things of monetary value. And because of all of this, he's been prosperous He probably has political and social clout. He has power and authority, and he is well-respected. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You can always tell what someone thinks about Jesus by the title that they use. Notice that the rich man doesn't call Jesus the Messiah or the Son of Man or the Son of God, doesn't refer to Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, or my Lord. Instead, it's good teacher. You're a teacher and you seem to have some good things to say. And so that's what he addresses him as. And he has a question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Sounds like a good question. What do I have to do for this? And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Jesus is being slightly snarky here because Jesus is God. But this rich man doesn't quite seem to get that. And so if he had, then he would realize that he's actually asking the wrong question. 
However, Jesus is willing to go down this road with him. So Jesus says, why do you call me good? What is it that you see about me that is so good? Because clearly the man doesn't recognize that this is God in human form. Divine incarnation in Jesus. You know the commandments, Jesus goes on. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. He recounts for him several of the big ten. You know what these are. And the man says, he replied, I have kept all these since my youth. It's almost as if he's come to Jesus, and what he's really doing is saying, I have been an awesome follower. I've been really good. I've done everything that you've asked. I've done everything that the Bible says I should do. I have been responsible with my wealth. I have accumulated more. I have all of these wonderful things. I have kept these commandments. And by the way, he hasn't just kept the big 10. He would have kept all 613 in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 613. And some of us Christians struggle with 10. And he kept them. And he says, I've done these. I've done all of these since I was a youth. All of these. And what he really wants is for Jesus to go, you're awesome, gold star, see you in the kingdom to come. But that's not what Jesus says. Instead, Jesus flips the script on him. And Jesus says to him, there is still one thing that you lack. Lack? I'm wealthy, I'm powerful, I'm respected. What do I lack? I follow all the rules. I'm a good religious Jew. How could I lack for anything? Here is what you lack. Sell all that you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And it goes on to say that when he heard this, the rich man became very sad, for he was very rich. He wasn't just comfortable. He wasn't upper middle class. He was rich. Sell all of this? You want me to sell all that I have? I have struggled to get this. I have worked hard. I have been responsible. I have invested properly. I have done all that I should do, and now you want me to sell it? First of all, doesn't Jesus realize that what you spent on something is never what you're going to get when you sell it? It depreciates the moment you drive it off the lot, Jesus. I'm not going to get back what you wanted me to get. I spent all this money on it. I'm going to lose money. If I sell everything, I'm going to not only lose what I have, but I'm going to lose money on this venture. Jesus is clearly not into finances. What is going on here? Why would I sell my things? Do we not still live in a world that says that being a good citizen and being a responsible adult is about achieving certain financial status, about being comfortable and capable we spend all of our time and our energy as we're getting older now looking at investing in retirement plans and 401ks and pensions and Roth IRAs. We're trying to make sure that we have what we need in order to die, not destitute. And most of us spend our lives saying that is what it means to be a responsible adult, to make sure that I can care for myself, to financially plan. And then the hope is that one day we will die and there will be a little bit left over and then we can give some to our kids and maybe we'll give some to the church. Gold star, Jesus. So where is the gold star? Why is he asking us to go further? And when he says this and he recognizes that the man is very sad, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those 
who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He looks at the man and he says this. Indeed, Jesus goes on, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Because at some point, their wealth becomes their God. At some point, keeping it and accumulating it becomes more important than using it for what God would have us use it for. And so they struggle. And the apostles struggled with this. Goes on in, on verse 28 to say that Peter said, Look, we have left our homes and we have followed you. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not get back very much more in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus is telling us something that we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear that there's a next step. Most of us are like that rich man. Maybe not rich, but we want to hear that we've done what is good and right, and we want God to say, well done, good servant. Your reservation is confirmed in the kingdom to come. We don't want to hear that there's a next step. We feel comfortable where we are, Maybe our giving habits are comfortable for us. Maybe our attendance and our participation in the missions and the ministries of the church feels right. We have achieved some level of equilibrium, and we want to be commended for that, not told that we are not finished. We don't want to hear that. At some point, aren't we done? Do I have to die to rest? Yes. Yes, we do. Our faith is never finished. Our work will not be complete until our last breath. That's why we have this concept in our culture of the dying declaration. It's actually a legal category. Things that are uttered on the deathbed are considered a dying declaration and they are authoritative. We are not done till we are dead and then even then Jesus will resurrect us so that we may then enjoy even more of what we have done. We are not finished. And so for Jesus to say to this ruler and anybody else who hears this story, that there is a next step, makes all of us go, I don't know that I want that next step. I don't know that I want to do that. How can you ask me to go further? Have I not gone far enough, says Peter? We have left everything to follow you. James and John literally left their father in a boat, walked out on the job, and left him. Can you imagine dad's face? Where are you going? And they left to follow this vagrant, homeless, messianic figure. And everybody thought they were nuts. Everybody thought they were crazy. Are they still crazy? Yes, they are crazy the world still looks at all of the apostles and goes, that's crazy. Jesus isn't asking for us to do that now. Surely Jesus is not asking us for, for us to get uncomfortable, for us to risk things. But God is saying, I constantly, every moment of every day, take another step for you. You sin, my grace comes closer. You ask for forgiveness, my forgiveness comes. You ask to be loved and known, and my love is poured out on you. I never draw a line and say you had enough. And yet how many times do we as disciples turn around and go, that's it. 
not one penny more. I will not do any more for you, God. I am stretched to the limit. My finances can't take another nickel. Because we struggle with what it says. What if God really was to turn around and say to us, there is another step. If you think you've got it all figured out, then we have another step to go. We are not here to be content. We are here to be comfortable in the promise that God will care for us. And Jesus says that to them. I have no doubt there were days that the apostles were like, this promise of uh, we're going to be okay is garbage. You know how we know that? Because there's actually a scripture that talks about they were so hungry that as they walked through a grain field on the Sabbath, they were picking and eating grain. That's how hungry they are. They're so hungry, they're breaking the law of the Sabbath. And Jesus defends them being that hungry and breaking that law and says that the Sabbath was made for human beings, not human beings made for the Sabbath. Because Jesus recognized that there were lean times. And they spent three years wandering around a pretty rough part of the world, completely at the mercy of hospitality of other people. People who shut their doors in their faces and ran them out of town. People who said, you know what, y'all can come in, but I'm not going to be able to house all of you for more than like two nights. Then you're going to have to go. And so they did. They committed themselves to a ministry that radically changed their lives. But they didn't walk away. Not once in the entire three years did they walk away. Whatever was happening, whatever they were seeing and experiencing, all of those things, whatever it was that they got to live out in the presence of Jesus Christ was worth it. And they stayed. They stayed through the hunger. They stayed through broken sandals. They stayed through dirty and torn clothes. They stayed through persecution. They stayed because whatever was happening when they followed Jesus was worth any price. Do we not believe that following Jesus is worth any price even now here in Crozet in 2018? We are called to follow wherever Jesus may go. And yet we've come to a place in the Christian church across denominations where people go, I will give you my heart. I will open up my mind to hear your word, Jesus. We just sang about, yeah, I'll give you my hands and my feet. But how dare you ask for my pocketbook? How dare you ask to come inside my bank account? There's a peace that is just for me. What has God withheld from us? What? Not even God's life in Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing has been withheld. Not one drop of his salvific blood, not one ounce of grace, not one millimeter of the journey of showing us that we are loved. Everything has been given and poured out. And all God says is, take the next step. Take the next step. And it's hard for us. We struggle with this. I would love to think that I'm done. I have a master's in divinity. What do I need anything else for? I have sacramental authority. I'm an ordained elder. I'm good. feel like I'm good. But I'm not. And we live in an area where people are constantly asking children, and especially high school graduates, what's next? They graduate, and the first thing they get is, are you going to college? Where are you going to college at? You want to go to my college? 
Right? That's what the first question we ask them. And if they graduate with their bachelor's degree, are you going on to get your master's degree? Do you want any professional certification? You get your master's degree. You know what people say? You're going to get your doctorate? I don't know. I don't know. And you know what we all say? Can't I get a rest? Do I have to go right now? Can't we just pause right here? I feel like I did really well. And all of a sudden you're like, go on, do the next step. Just want to like revel in the now. But think about who we are as people. We spend so much time and effort and energy and resources to gain more resources. And we do this under the auspices of creating time and space for us to enjoy ourselves. Life is fleeting. So then we want to enjoy it. We want to create memories and have relationships and cultivate those things and make sure that we can enjoy a little bit of our labor. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus is saying we're going about it the wrong way. That truly the real joy, if you want to cultivate relationships and have powerful experiences and build a life that you're going to look back on and go, wow, that was amazing, then you're not going to get it at a resort. You're not going to find it in a concert. You're going to find it in the kingdom and in the building of the kingdom. We are here because countless Christians in Crozet took the next step. We couldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing in this chancel and you wouldn't be sitting in those pews and those chairs if someone hadn't said at one point, you know what, God? I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm not sure how it's going to work. Quite frankly, I like my lattes, but I am stepping out on faith and I'm going to take the next step. And God, I'm going to cling to that promise. You told me, you told me, Jesus said it himself, that if I do this, then not only will I enjoy life now, but I will enjoy life in the kingdom to come. And I am holding on to that. And it's if God is saying to us, even now, put me to the test. Put me to the test and I will show you. There is nothing in this world that you cannot walk away from that God is not ready to show you that there is better. There is better. Because everything is going to go away. New heaven and new earth on the day of resurrection and no 401k, no real estate investment, no priceless artifact is going to make it. But what you have built will last. If we pay attention to the scriptures, we find that there was one person crazy enough to do this even in the Old Testament. We find that one day out in a field plowing with two oxen was Elisha. And Elisha's out there doing his thing, taking care of his field because he's working hard. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And Elijah runs by, takes his mantle and throws it over Elisha and says, come with me. Come, I'm working. Working over here. Working hard. And you know what Elisha says? Give me a second. I'm going to slaughter these. We're going to make a big meal. We're going to feed hungry people. And then, yes, I'm in. I'll follow you. Can you imagine what people thought? Elisha's lost his mind. Elisha is going after Elijah, who we all know is nuts. And they're going to go serve Yahweh. They're going to run around and serve God the Father. What kind of sense does this make? But look at what happened when he did. We have a prophetic history that is rich and full of blessing other people because someone like Elisha said, here I am, Lord, I'm coming. Not send me, I'm coming. 
I am coming to you. Where you go, I will go. And your people will be my people. I think that's in there too. And here we are in Crozet in 2018, thousands of years later than anybody thought we would be here in a place they cannot fathom, wearing things that they would think are absolutely flamboyant and out of control. And we are blessed, are we not? Are we not richly blessed people? And God is saying to us, even now through these words of Jesus Christ, if you are willing to take the next step, then I will bless you. And it will be more than you can imagine. And you think to yourself, I don't know, God, I can imagine a lot. I can do better. I can do better. And that is the promise. Because we sit around and we wonder, right? We wonder about how things are going. I mean, how many of you sit there in the pews and we pass the baskets and you look around and you go, he didn't even put anything in the basket. At least I put something in the basket. Right? What you don't know is that he paid online and paid four times what you did. Because we're not here to judge each other. I'm not here to judge you on what your next step is. I can't even tell you what your next step is. Right? Your next step is between you and God. And that's where the work comes in. Are you willing to risk asking God what the next step is? Because here's the terrifying thing. If you ask, you will receive an answer. Right? If you ask God, what do you want from me now? God will tell you. And then you have to go, you know, this, this isn't uh, let's make a deal. Like I'm going to pass on this one and I'm waiting for a new door. One that leads to Cancun. That's not how it works. But if God opens a door for you, I guarantee you that what's on the other side is the kingdom of God. That what will happen is that once more, Crozet United Methodist Church will be building something that no one can fathom at this point. But years from now, people will be blessed. They'll be going, I don't know who those people were, but they radically made life better. They made it so much better than it was. And now children don't go hungry. Children aren't afraid that they're going to get bullied. Now our community is one where people can live in peace. And there's harmony across the county. Is that not what we want to build? Are you going to be able to buy that with your 401k? But together we can do powerful, transformative things. Every now and then, so like last Sunday, I had the font out at 9.30. The kids like to wash their money in the font. And yes, I, theologically, we can have that talk all day. But the kids like to come up and put the quarters in the font and they kind of run the, their water over it. And I'm looking at it going, oh my gosh, the kids are washing their money in the holy water. <laughs> Smile and be happy. But I thought about it this week and I thought about the fact that those kids come up here and they are holding tight to those quarters. They come up here and they're like, these, these are important to me. And if they don't have those quarters, they will scream to the high heavens till mom and dad find quarters. Right? Where'd my quarter go? That's the other thing we hear. Where'd my quarter go? I lost a quarter. Like, there's 30 kids. Well, I don't know where your quarter is. I gotta have a quarter. I always want to be like, I need a quarter now. And they come up and they wash it in the font. And yes, there's a part of me that's going, this is completely doctrinally inappropriate. But they are taking something that is precious to them and they are putting it in something that they know is holy and of God. And if that is not a metaphor for our giving, I don't know what is. 
This is important to me. I will scream and make a fuss if I don't have it. But what I really want to do with it is put it in here. It's really where I want it to go. It's 50 cents. 50 cents. I don't even know what we can buy for 50 cents. I don't even know that you can get toppings on a pizza for 50 cents anymore. But that 50 cents is so important to those kids. And then they put it all together, and then they offer it in children's worship. And together, they are building something that comes back in here onto our altar, and we bless it right along with all of our gifts. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom is about saying, I'm all in, God. I'm all in. I will no longer withhold anything from you. If you want my heart, it's yours. You want my mind and my thoughts, they're yours. My lips, my hands, my feet, my time, my talent, my gifts, they are yours. And we give because we have been blessed. We're not giving so that God will bless us. We are giving as the response to the blessing. And when you consider that there are billions of people in this world and that we could have been born anywhere else in this world and never known the peace and the prosperity of this moment, how blessed are we? How richly blessed are we? And Jesus is just asking for the next step. And he's not dictating how wide and long your gate is. He's not telling you that we're all going to get at the same place at the same time, or that we're all going to end in the same place. But Jesus is saying, be willing to take the next step. And for some of us, that next step is just showing up more consistently, more often. For some of us, that next step is truly wrestling with, what am I going to give? What am I going to do this year? What is my next step? I'm not going to stand here and go, my proclamation for today is Everyone will raise their giving each year by 10%. It's not my job. It's not my place. I'm not here to dictate what your next step is. But here is my promise to you. Starting today and every day thereafter, I'm going to put on my pastoral prayer list that I pray multiple times a day that you are able to discern your next step. That is my prayer. And that is my prayer for me as well and for my child and for my family, that we will figure out what the next step is and that we will have the courage in Jesus Christ to take it. That we will not fear, that we will not sit here and do a cost-benefit ratio analysis, that instead we will say, you know what? Without hesitation, he got on the cross. Without hesitation, I will take that step. Because when the church of Crozet United Methodist starts to take its steps towards the kingdom of God in faith and discipleship. When we move in that direction, we bring others with us. We bring others to the gates. And we bring with us those people who are unable to go on their own. The sick and the tired and the hungry and the poor and the thirsty and the naked and the stranger and the imprisoned the outcast, and the overlooked. We bring them with us. But we will take them nowhere if we won't take our next step. And so Christ lays this at our feet and invites us to either draw back in repulsion or to say, I'm going. You have always come to me. Now I will go for you. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.